is Tansley Stearns. Tansley Stearns is your greatest challenger and biggest cheerleader. Inspirational human being who loves people. Future forward leadership. Tansley Stearns is a badass. Tansley Stearns is my mom, my hero, and I love her very much. I am Tansley Stearns, and this is Despite Impossible. I am a longtime credit union executive leading Community Financial as president and CEO. I have always admired and been inspired by people whose passion is boundless and who don't comprehend the word impossible. This show focuses on their stories. Today's guest is Mish Raymond, founder and CEO at The Higher Effect. She reminds us that becoming masterful at fostering and growing an effective culture in hiring takes intention and patience. This is her story. Who is Mish Raymond? You know, I read that question and I thought about uh, from the standpoint of like philosophically, mm-hmm. I am just one of billions of souls mm-hmm. out there in the world trying to do my best. Yeah. Um, I think finding and being centered in my what I think of as my purpose in life sure. um, really hits every single part of me. And that purpose is to explore triumphant possibilities with people um, and pick one and then help them make it happen. Yeah. So that, you know, that's like a mom, that's a business owner, that's a best friend, that's a, an acquaintance. So it hits all the marks, I think. Finish this sentence for me. The world will be a better place when? Um, When we all, like, get centered. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not all of us, but the vast majority of us get centered on the fact that the earth is our home Mm -hmm. and we need to take better care of it. We need to clean it up. We need to, you know, nurture it, all of those things. Mm -hmm. When you're at your happiest, most joyful times, you listen to? Um, peeping frogs and oh, yes. cheeping birds and things like that. Mm. Um, definitely uh, an avid walker and listening to nature rather than listening to my earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are my jo- most joyful times. So speaking of earbuds, what's an album that you'll listen to from the first song to the last? Oh, you know, I it's been years since I listened to an album mm. from beginning to end. Um, but Pink Floyd's ah. Wish Wish You Were Here. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's definite. It's yes. more instrumental, uh-huh. but very cool from beginning to end. Tell us what made you laugh out loud lately. Oh, my daughter. My daughter is, um, well, all of my kids are amazingly funny, but my daughter is very clever. Um, And she has just told me a story. The last story she told me about was an exchange she had with somebody in a coffee shop. Um, And the exchange was really around um, how polite they were being to each other in this dance of who was next. And... It ended up being, you know, like kind of a badge of honor to make the other person go first. So it was funny just thinking about her being in that situation. 
When was the last time you danced so hard your feet were sore? Um, I am not a dancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I think about my life in general, is like dancing is my walking. Mm. So yesterday, my feet really hurt when I got back. <laughs> I think it was almost eight miles Ooh, yesterday. That's awesome. Yeah, fun. When you feel down, you heal by? Uh, well, again, walking, going out in nature. Um, my dad recently passed away about six months ago. And, um, you know, when your soul hurts, what do you do? Put your boots on. Go outside. Dancing is my walking. Mish shares with us the power of being inspired by nature, movement, and doing your best thinking when you're not thinking. For Mish and many others, achieving this level of introspection is best primed by walking. Personally, I achieve this through running. How do you carve time to look inward? Who's someone you look up to? Um, a lot of people. Uh, the nearness or proximity and time of my father passing has made me think a lot about him. Mm-hmm. And he's taught me some just ridiculously great life lessons, um, and his passing helped me to get to know my mom as a human, not as my mom. Right. Um, and wow, what a go-getter. So my parents... You know, I think that's a pretty classic answer, but. True one. Yeah, it is very true. My dad was uh, very practical, um, but together, the two of them, it was like when they got up in the morning, my dad retired when he was 39 from the Air Force. Wow. And he lived until he was 82. Wow. Um, And the two of them, it was all about like, get up, what are we going to accomplish today or this week or whatever? Um, so what a great role model that was, you know, like what value am I bringing to the world? Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents are amazing human beings. What's a mantra you live by? Um, mantra, uh, is, is difficult mm-hmm. for me. Okay. Uh, I don't have one. Mm-hmm. I have many. Uh, most of them kind of counter any kind of internal, uh, negative stories that mm. I have, you know, like, okay, this is my big one, and I'm I'm actually putting this on a recorded. Okay, good. <laughs> I love this. Great. Thanks for trusting us. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my internal negative story is that I'm boring. Mm. So when that shows up, it's like short clipped answers. It's um. It's hard to uh, counter that with anything, but it's taken me years to come up with this one. Um, and when I think I'm being boring, I say, you are a very thoughtful person. Um, and you're trying to be thoughtful for whoever you're speaking with. Mm. So today that might be my mantra. What fun. Tell us about your impossible Oh, wow. Um, so in twenty, the end of 2015, mm-hmm. I was bringing about 10 years of economic development consulting to a close. Yeah. 
But that whole 10 years I was thinking about and engaging with business owners in Michigan, um, my own experience prior to that running a big consulting agency and uh, really spending uh, spending that time doing, which in retrospect is customer discovery. Sure. Um, I had to make a choice. Do I go be someone for a city mm-hmm. or do I bring what I think is – maybe not a very humble statement, <laughs> a brilliant way of thinking about how do you choose people into your life. Yeah. Um, so I wrote a book. I mean, that was nuts to me. And having written a book, um, and I have since found this out from other authors, that once you write a book, it's like, oh, there are 10 other books in me. Right. So my impossible is like, get those out. Um, and my first book has done pretty well. I haven't, I didn't get a publisher. I just, you know, it was Mm self-published and I've sold about 40,000 copies Great. in, um, what's it been five years now. So what are some of the challenges you faced that looked insurmountable? Oh, wow. That boring thing. Imagine trying to write a book when you keep telling yourself when you wake up in the morning. You know what? I'm boring. I'm not sure I have anything new to say. Um, Definitely not insurmountable. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about, like, Buddhist practices for, like, just staying centered Mm -hmm. and understanding that we're all our own soul, and um, here it is. Right. Uh, It seemed insurmountable, but, man, I have some ridiculously awesome friends uh, amazing support system, siblings, you know, all of that. So it's not insurmountable, but sometimes it does seem that way. Reframing. When Mish thinks she is perceived as boring, she finds comfort in reframing this feeling by telling herself, you're a very thoughtful person. This significant action helps her calm the internal voice feeding self-doubt and transforms it into a superpower. What type of reframing would you benefit from in your daily life? Was there ever a point in your journey when you felt like giving up? Um, I think I can honestly say no. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't know that it was as apparent to me as it is now that mental health is so important, and I didn't realize just how healthy I was mm. until the pandemic came along mm. and, of course, the death of my father, trying to deal with all of that. So um, those things really pushed me through. Mm. Would you share a story about a time where something went bananas that now you can look back and laugh about? Um. Yeah, you know, I like I have to dig back into for a good story anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I have to dig back into my 20s. Oh, good. Which is, you know, a, a fair amount of time ago. Um I used to work for Chevrolet Motor Division taking 
phones from angry Chevrolet customers. Oh, golly. That's a tough job. Oh, mm-hmm. well, you know what? It's It was awesome. It right. shaped me in a way that yeah. I think every young person should be Yeah, a customer rep. Yes, agree. For a period of time. Yes. It teaches you so much. Yeah, they learn all yeah. kinds of, well, I learned all kinds of stuff about myself, but at that time, um, there were about 300 of us uh-huh. taking phone calls. And Chevrolet uh, put out this incentive program. Mm. Like you could come to a Chevrolet dealership. If you owned a Ford pickup and drive a pickup truck, Okay, you didn't even have to buy it. Just drive it. And Chevrolet would pay you $100. Oh, Okay. And if you owned an old Chevrolet and you came and drove a new Chevrolet and you bought one, they'd give you $250 okay. for it. There were a couple other parts of that incentive program, but it required such amazing coordination between Chevrolet and the dealers sure. and the customers. And remember, we're talking about people who are like dyed in the wool Ford mm-hmm. truck drivers, right? right? Um, and it just was went horribly. Um, and I had been taking phone calls from angry Chevrolet customers for almost three years. And I was 25. Okay, 25. This just blows my mind when I think about it. And I said, look, we're getting thousands of phone calls about this. We don't know what we're doing wrong yet. Let me have 10 people, and all we'll do is take phone calls about that. Oh, neat. Okay. Oh, and the incentive program was called Somebody Special. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. But anyway, so... I said, let me do this. Let me figure out what's going on. Um, And I went home and I was like, what were you thinking? You know, there's there's a lot on the line here. And I'm 25 years old and um, three weeks in taking all these phone calls. It was just, it was like four different thousand piece puzzles all Mm. thrown into one box right. with no pictures. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I remember going home. Uh, I stayed with my parents over the weekend, and I was telling my dad, I think I, I bit off way more than I could choose or chew. And he said, Mishy, just sleep on it. Every time you think about it today, just go, I'm not going to think about it. Nope. Nope, nope. And tomorrow morning when you get back to work, then you can think about it. And it was it was astoundingly effective. It's so great. Yeah. Um, but I look back on that, well, a pattern started to emerge, so it was kind of fun there. But I look back on that and think about what a crazy time that was and that I had the guts to just to take that on. So it was pretty bananas. People were yelling at us, screaming at us, and it was nuts. Goodness. Achieving your impossible is one thing, but there are no fairy tales with happy endings. We reach milestones. We keep going. What challenges is your impossible still facing? Um, you know, this, the death of my dad 
is so huge for me. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't appreciate him enough. Um, and with his death, like going through and really understanding grieving, he's really the first mm. super meaningful person in my life um, that has died. Mm. Um, so the impossible, like the challenge is I am no longer that person I was before my dad died. So now I have to like look back or look inward, mm-hmm. I guess, and say, this is actually the epiphany I came to on Monday. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> I've been struggling for six months. Wow. Um, is who's the, who's the new Mish? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm never going to go back to the old Mish. Right. So that struggle um, kind of ties back into the mental health. Like, wow, can you imagine trying to figure that stuff out by yourself? Right. So back to a therapist, back to, you know, like, really being clear about what I'm struggling with today mm-hmm. um, with my friends and, you know, support, but relying, too, on that kind of base of healthy thinking mm-hmm. about myself. What's your advice for folks to face their fear of inaction and use that fire in their bellies to bring their impossible dreams to life? Oh, you know, this is something I do on a regular basis in my work. Yeah. Um, when, as I said, my parents were like, get up, make up a list, and go. Um, when I was young, I had boundless energy. So I could just get up and do stuff all day long. And then by the end of the day, I would have done something to move forward. The older I get, the more I can see I need to be directionally appropriate. So the first advice I would have for people is, what do you want? You know, like really focus on what is the first thing that you want um, or maybe the big thing. So, um how do you articulate what your impossible is? I don't think is like you don't just sit and answer that question today. You you sit in it and you deeply articulate it to several people and you start to hear the story that you have and then you get focused in that when you're in an action. You say, okay, what is one thing, just one? Maybe even what is part of one thing I can do uh, to get me going. Um, so inspiring people um, to even dream that they have an impossible, because some people don't, you know, they don't think about that. Um, so that's my advice. What's your next impossible, my friend? Oh, uh, book number two. Woo! Book number two is, is all there. I'll call it complete. It is not coherent. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, <laughs> so, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So when you think about, like, where do these pieces go and how do they get um, out of me and together, linked together, um, that feels impossible. Mm. And it's even more impossible when I think about the topic. Mm. It is so audacious of me to think <laughs> that I can describe to people how do you be when you hire someone? Uh, 
Love that. How do you sit across from someone and be a person that's going to give them the most? You're going to make the best choice. Um, so it's it's kind of philosophical. Mm. Um, requires a lot of thinking and, of, of course, uh, a lot of dancing with my uh, negative self, thinking about me being boring. Mm. So that's my... My next impossible is getting the second book out. Nice. Well, we can't wait to hear about it, as you do. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's really cool. I think there's the third book, <laughs> which is mm. mostly done, but not, not complete and not coherent in any way, shape, or form, um, is how do you communicate with your teammates so that you are in a position to be your best self. They're in their position to be their best self. I think about it like um, conspiring for the success of everyone. Mm. You know, how do you do that? That feels super impossible, but it's like the second, the second yeah. one. This concludes today's episode. For exclusive content, Visit us at despiteimpossible.com and subscribe to this podcast.